I'm Mike. I'm Dave. And this is Between the Lines. And we're back. We are back, and we have we horrible internet connection today. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of cloudy up here in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, um, and I think that the, the cell signal is just not traveling as far as it could. Damn it, Comcast, where's my internet? Where's my internets? My, 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 my internets. My webs are broken. You'll know when I invented the internet. <laughs> We put it in a lockbox. In a lockbox. <laughs> For all those who are too young to remember. <laughs> uh, Google it. If you're if you're too young to know understand that reference, Google Al Gore lockbox. Uh, it's it's I SNL played that to death. They did. Oh my gosh. They did. Uh when when George Bush, um Bush forty three, uh not forty one, when forty three left office. Will Ferrell was almost done yeah. on SNL. Like there was nothing more he could do because yeah. he, he had rung the the George Bush shammy to death. And uh, who was it? Uh, Daryl Hammond did, oh, did Al Gore, yeah. and man, he did. Well, so he did. Good. Uh, didn't he do Clinton? He did as Clinton well? too. Yeah. He did the whole cabinet. Yeah, <laughs> the, the whole Clinton cabinet. He could do them all. Uh, but yeah, he did a really good job. Um, so get this out of the way. Last week we we messed around and drank some whiskey. Uh, and this, giggled a lot yeah. and uh, said nothing of <laughs> this this week we're still holding whiskey glasses <laughs> in our hands so i can't promise that there won't be uh, the same level I, I think of, this week the whiskey is more to to taper our uh our outbreaks or, yeah. or <laughs> uh social lubricant so to yes, speak there we go social lubricant <laughs> uh so go go ahead and check out that episode we we may have um uh, the uh the uh, lane sensors on my car were going <laughs> we're broken. Were, Let's just yeah, say they were broken. They, they were malfunctioning on my way home <laughs> uh, when we were <laughs> after the last podcast. Um, so anyway, go ahead and check out that. I encourage everyone to look at all of our old episodes. We have plenty of good stuff this past month or so. Um, just talking about the um, the Liberty Spring uh, that, that's come forth on the planet uh, all except for Afghanistan, um, Cuba, they're still fighting, even though you're not seeing it in the news. Yeah. Um, you know, they're still, God bless them. They're still fighting tooth and nail for their Liberty. Um, I don't, is there any good, is there any news station that now here's the thing? There's a lot of good independent reporting services out there. Like the one I just became more familiar with is intercept intercept is pretty interesting. Yeah, the Intercept's pretty good. Um, I started using them a little bit, and there's a couple others that I've used, uh, Project Veritas and some others that have done some pretty, you know, in-depth reporting. Bold, some but bold Veritas is not so much, I wouldn't say they're as much as a news reporter as they are, like, um, investigative journalism. Yeah, it's almost undercover. Yeah, so they go a lot more deeper in, under the cover, so to speak, than your typical... Now, look, they've had... Veritas has had... Um, some troubles like they've there's rumors that they've paid for a couple interviews this that and the other but i they deny it so you know how far do you take you know their word against the others there's there there's no proof that they've ever done anything nefarious so some people just um 
Well, I mean, even the bigger journalistic companies, oh, how sure. many of those anchors floating around out there through the span of time have greased a few palms to get a couple of words? Yeah, nope. Yeah, no, I, I don't know? disagree. I don't disagree. And and sometimes that's just, unfortunately, how the way work, how, the way the world works. Yeah. Um, you know, money, money is the... <laughs> yeah, the, so, the the universally accepted lubricant. Exactly, exactly. Like <laughs> it gets that. the wheels it, turning. It really greases wheels. Um, so yeah, like it, it seems like things fall out of the public sphere too quickly, quickly, very quickly. Because Cuba is, especially Cuba. Cuba, I think, is something that should be on the on yeah. the, in the hearts of minds of all Americans. Um, just just for the simple fact. You know, if you believe in um, what what this country was founded on and 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 all that jazz, um, then you would think that you you would want to pay attention to that. Well, it's like even in social media platforms and such, it gets just tucked away somewhere yeah. into some random corner of the social sphere, yep. you know, so to speak. It's whatever the whatever the trending hashtag is. is yeah, all it's, that it's ridiculous. It. I mean, I get it that there's people's attention spans are horrible as is, you know, I can attest to that. My attention span can be pretty limited some days, but at the same time, I think it's, it's, it's morally responsible to, you know, not lose track of this kind of stuff and to keep it, you know, in the cycle in some form or fashion. I think it's, I think it's almost a journalistic malpractice. Yeah. You know, the way that absolutely the way that things are just fallen, not even really fallen. They're purposefully tossed to the wayside. Oh yeah. Um, because of rate, really it's ratings. Yeah. It's ratings. You can't drone on about the same thing over and over and over again. Um, you know, and, and consider it to be, I mean, think about the, the challenger explosion. How long was that in the news cycle? And that was only, I mean, that was big news, but that was in the news cycle for a very, very, very long time. Well, I think too, with that, I mean, if you think of how NASA and uh, launches have been covered over the last, I'd say 30 or 40 years, it's been very intermittent, very sporadic in which they cover it. The Challenger, I think, was even newsworthy, one, because it blew up, yeah. but two, because I think at that point we were a lot more, I think the country as a whole was a little bit more looking towards, you know, moving forward and progressing. And there was a lot of good stuff. I mean, I know that there were problems economically in sure. the country even still then, but the overall spirit and the overall demeanor of people was a lot different than it there is There was today. a lot of hope, a yes. lot of looking to yeah. the future. And that's, I think that's always been something that's been uniquely American is we've, we've never really, um, we've never been in the mindset that we're fighting for right now. We're fighting for the next generation yeah. has always been at least, the, at least the way I perceive and things. And that's the way it should be. A selfish generation doesn't look past, you yeah. know, the, what's going on right now. And I think we're, that's what we're in right now. I we're, think we're yes. fighting against two very distinctive philosophies. And one is we don't give a shit what happens to the person tomorrow. We care only what happens to us today. Yep. And then you have the other half of the generation. It's like, well, we kind of care what happens. To but then you can break that down into other categories sure. along there. Yeah, so. it's it's very complex. And, 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 it's, and it, I don't want to in any way, um, you know, kind of disparage anything that's going on. But uh, it just seems like we're living in a very 
uh, narcissistic yeah, time. Very much so. Like even even us, we're only worried about the United States. What's going on in Afghanistan? It's like, oh well, that's a whole other country. Don't worry about you, you know. The the funny thing about that with regards to referring to the U.S. as narcissistic is that the other countries that we always actively point out as being offenders of freedom, such as China and now Australia. You know, uh-huh. you know. Unfortunately, the thing of that is, is that in a lot of these countries, people don't have the rights to be narcissistic. Yeah. You know, you think about it. Exactly. Narcissism is outlawed. Yeah. You know, in in so many regards. So we're very lucky to live where we do live, and 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 we say this every time because we always feel like we have to qualify. In no way uh, is this country perfect. No. Um, and we got a long ways to go. But you point me out a better. Yeah, a better place to be with more opportunity. All these freaking TikTok influencers and these yeah. people that label themselves as Facebook influencers. When did that ever freaking start? Yeah. Whoever gave you the right to tell you, you know, Adver- label yourself as some influencer? It's advertisers, like, man, advertisers. That's that's what started it all. Bullshit marketing is what it is. Is because they have they they have all these advertisers that pay for ad space on these click click videos. So. These people make money and then they get power and now all of a sudden they're influencers. And But who are they influencing? I've watched some of these people and they're the dumbest, most bottom of the barrel idiots that have ever walked the face of this earth. Well, that's who they're influencing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, literally. Like, Not everybody in this country is. Some of the shit that comes out of their mouth, it's like, it. you know, you'd think they would have drowned in their shit by now because it just I pukes thought, all over the place. I thought the pinnacle of TikTok was going to be the condom snorting challenge. <laughs> I thought that was when it was all going to be over, but nope, nope, still going. Yes. <laughs> no, what was the other one now? They're, they're, they've actually had to ban TikTok in a couple of other countries. Was TikTok responsible for the uh, pie, uh, Todd po- or Tide Pods? Tide Pods. I can't yep. even talk. Yep. That's the whiskey. TikTok and, um, yeah. <laughs> it's very good there we go <laughs> very good whiskey very good whiskey um yeah but i can't remember what the new one is now but they're banning <clears throat> it in other countries because people are like literally dying because of these stupid challenges um this is why we have a paternalistic government because we allow idiots to talk yeah <laughs> i mean you're not wrong i mean granted people are allowed to have their opinions they're allowed to do whatever they want they're allowed to take those type of risks but you know when taking risks there's usually a certain amount of reason that goes into evaluating whether that risk is worth it or yeah, not most people judge the reward yes that they're going to get before they take the risk um like skydiving there's not a whole lot of reward, but at least you're, you're getting something out of it. You it's know funny I mean? that you brought that up exactly. Somebody was saying yesterday about, you know, I can't believe that uh, people would risk other people's lives and other things. And, and I posted on this little bit of this little form. I said, uh, you know, I, I believe that uh, skydiving and bungee jumping should be uh, mandated as being something that you can't do anymore because there's a slight chance they might hurt themselves or even possibly even worse, they might fall on somebody below them. Yeah. Indicating the, what are the yeah. chances? What yeah. are the chances are the of chances? you falling on somebody while skydiving or bungee jumping? I was just trying to make a point, but. Uh, yeah, and point well made because even when you go skydiving for the first time, you're not even allowed to go alone. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you're trusting someone else. Yeah. So, yeah, so if I their mean, shoe great, doesn't, great if their point. shoe doesn't open, you're both screwed. You're both screwed. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're depending on someone else's shoot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's. So 100%. maybe that should be our next meme. It's, uh, it's uh, Joe Biden doing a bungee jump or a, a 
skydive with somebody strapped to him, <laughs> aka Joe Citizen. You know, you know, believing every word that comes out of the mouth of the uh, administration. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and falling to their death. <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> speaking of, um, I, I want to kind of take a take a little bit of a yeah. turn. Yesterday uh, was 9/11. was September eleventh, uh, twenty twenty one. So we've hit twenty years now since um, Tuesday, September eleventh. Yep. Um, I still remember exactly where I was sitting. Um, I was taking a um, a digital imaging course at uh, Loyal Sock High School. We would we would uh, at Muncie. You could go to other schools. Uh, Muncie's where I went to high school. You could go to other schools because they had different programs, and you could take advantage of programs that your school didn't have. Um, so I took photography. I was editing videos, and the principal of Loyal Sock High School came over the loudspeaker and said that a plane at, at first they thought it was an accident that a plane had run into uh the north tower i believe was the first mm-hmm. one um it was just just after just before nine o'clock i think it was i can't remember exactly yeah. the the time on the clock but i remember seeing the hands on the clock and i remember i can i can almost smell i can almost smell the classroom where i was when it happened at the time and then we were on our way home or on our way back to the school when they said the second tower got hit. And then we went uh, up into Mr. Uh, Mr. Smith's math class and we turned on his TV and there was about 40 or 50 of us huddled around the TV in the corner, just watching everything until they turned. Yeah. Uh, the school actually turned the TVs off. Yeah. Everybody was glued yep. to it. They actually turned all the TVs off and told teachers not to let us watch but but the teachers let us watch anyway because it was history, you, yeah. You know, so we watched the whole thing. Well, it's like imagine the people that were living during the time of Pearl Harbor. Yeah, I mean the 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 two incidences in one manner are almost identical in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. in terms of loss of life and you know the reasoning behind it and everything. It was a foreign attack. It was. I mean, they were very identical. It was like Pearl Harbor repeating itself. That is mm-hmm. a that is a correct analogy. Taking 9-11 and comparing it to January 6th is no, still no. the biggest BS that yeah. rhetoric I've heard in a while. But anyways, not to digress. Yeah, no. But um, yeah, I remember I was in my first year of college when it happened and they basically pulled us out of our classes and, you know, they, you know, we went into all the common rooms and stuff and we found where we sat there and watched this for a good while. You know, yeah. We weren't sure what had exactly happened. The only thing we heard is that a plane had crashed into the towers. And yep. then from there, things kind of unfolded, I guess you would say. When the second one hit, that was when everybody knew, okay, this isn't an accident. Yeah. Um, and then, then the Pentagon was hit. Yeah. And that's when the Pentagon was hit. That's when I started getting a little, I was starting to get a little scared. I was I think I was seven, 17. Yeah, I was 17. Um, almost 18. And my thought was, okay, here goes here goes World War III. Yeah. Because right after Pearl Harbor was World War II. Oh, for, yeah. for, you know, I mean, it started before that. But that's when we got into it. And my first thought was, okay, I'm turning 18. <laughs> yeah. And this war is going to pop off. And I'm going to get drafted. That well, was the ver- very first yeah. thought I had. The biggest difference with that being is that they were, it was a very distinctive, very, uh, Pearl Harbor was a very distinctive, very uh, recognizable enemy. Mm-hmm. In other words, they declared themselves as an enemy. We knew who the enemy was. They came in, they did their 
thing and you know we knew who we were going after in this situation these people were americans essentially yeah. they you know citizens or whatever the case be that had been deep celled or you know under deep cover for who knows how long yep. until they finally decided that you know this is the time to do this and yep. you know and then of course we don't know what we we have i guess we thought that shanksville pennsylvania where the third plane actually went yep. down at uh they had believed that that was going to go either towards the white house or the Capitol, And they weren't sure. There's, there's pretty good intelligence that it was going for the white house. They, there's really good intelligence. And, um, the reason being, the reason I say that is because there were phone calls that were made from that, from flight 93 and, um, people on the, on the plane told their loved ones that they overheard that the, they're going to the white house. And that's why they, that's why the people on Flight 93 took the plane down yeah. because they didn't want to see those people are heroes. Oh my God, the guts! Yeah, I don't even. I they can't they even... knew what was at the end of that road, but they yep. did it anyways. Yep. I mean, that's that's the definition. They they knew the risks. Yep. They they knew what was going to happen as possibly very likely going to happen as a result of them doing this, but they knew they could overtake and yep. So yep, and, and they did, and thank God they did because who knows who knows where we would be. Um, at that point, losing the White House, that would have drained morale, I think. Yeah. You know, could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but at, at any rate, um, I, I think everybody really remembers where we were on that day. And, um, you know, here we are 20, 20 years later, and hindsight is, is very clear. Yeah. Um, on a good note, I actually went down yesterday because... <clears throat> <laughs> They had the uh, biker ride mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. Uh, 9-11, and man, it was thunderous. I'm sure. Holy cow. It was It was at least, I would say it was at least two hours long. Oh, wow. Just lines and lines of bikers. I don't even know where they all came from. It's like I swear ha- the entire county was driving they, down. They actually come from all over the state for that. It's 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 amazing. That There's a lot of people actually that come from out of state to do it too. Really? Yeah, there's it's, well, I can it's believe a pretty that. big thing. It's, it's a pretty it, big thing. It was like a long, long trucks line. And, trucks and cars and all kinds of It was of mainly stuff. bikers. Yeah. Mainly bikers. In in years past they've they've allowed trucks and cars and and you know whatever um, you know, if you want to participate, <laughs> yeah. Well, I did notice. I couldn't tell if it was just traffic they were allowing to go through, or if it was cars that were part of the um, <laughs> part of the uh, the display, or whatever the case. You can be. usually tell by the flags that are flying from the bumpers of the pickup trucks. Yeah, there aren't any actual cars that go through. It's yeah. usually motorcycles and pickup trucks. Um, but, but it was it was pretty cool. I mean, it was just it was cool to watch that many people just. You know, there wasn't anything overtly political about nope. it. It was just people writing and just showing their support for, <clears throat> excuse me, for nine eleven. Some people but, would try to make it political, but yeah, the pa- patriotism and 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 the United States shouldn't be shouldn't be a political issue. Yeah, it shouldn't be partisan. That you know, this country should be bipartisan. But um, so we've we've come we've come a long way in some retrospects since. Um, since 9-11, um, but in other aspects, I, th- I think that we're, we're almost right back to where we, right back to where we started. Yeah. It's almost like September 10th, yeah, 2001. I mean, well, not for anything, but, uh, Graham, did you see Graham's comments? I didn't. Lindsey Lindsay Graham's Graham. comments. He's like, yeah, we're probably gonna have to reinvade. Oh yeah, that's right. We this. did talk about that. It's like, 
you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, it's like, well, one, we've been trying to work up to a point where we got out of this. Yep. Because personally, I don't agree that we've been there as long as we have. I, on, I yep. I on the same token, on the same token, we we had a reason why we, why we were there. I mean, see, the thing is, is I look at leadership and the boots on the ground as two totally different worlds. Yeah. Leadership, uh, except to be leadership that's there directing the boots on the ground directly doing stuff like actually in the trenches versus the leadership that's up above, you know, trying to plan out their end goals and all this kind of stuff. I see them as two totally different worlds because I think the boots on the ground achieved a whole lot more than what the leadership probably even foresaw in a lot of this. Because if you think about it, you think about the connections. This is 20 years. You're talking about freaking two decades of, you know, children have grown up. Children were born when they first put their feet on the ground in Afghanistan. And now a lot of them grew up in a much, much safer atmosphere in some regards than they would have without them having been there. And there were relationships. The things that they don't talk about is just the relationships and the bonds that were formed between the soldiers and the Afghani people and just, you know, how things developed into something, you know, and you, that's what saddens me most about the, what, how they pulled out is that we left so many good intentioned and good people behind in all of this that that is the biggest travesty aside from the fact that you know we basically have still left americans over there that that should never have been the case and still shouldn't be the case and as far as i'm concerned i the whole administration needs to be crucified over that whole situation is i i don't give a rat's ass what anybody's thinks but that entire administration needs to be crucified over that one instance by itself because the sheer number of people that have died and are going to die and the sheer amount of repercussions that are going to roll over from this situation i there there's no there's no i'm sorry in this bullshit there's no apologizing for this bullshit you either go back in and fix it so from that perspective I would say like Lindsey Graham, yeah, I guess I can agree with that. We'll have to go back in because, but at the same time, I don't want you putting us back into a situation that we were in before because it got us nowhere. I the only question I have is where where is this longest war yeah. in American history bullshit coming from? All of a know. sudden, all of a sudden, we forget about Korea. We're still at war with Korea. Yeah, we're still. I mean, there's an armistice. There's there's I mean, there's a ceasefire. Yeah. But we're still at war with yeah. Korea. You know, it's it's marketing. It's all marketing. You know, people, like I said before, people's attention spans are so short and so are their memories. You know, and I'm not saying everybody is, but I'm just saying the general population that you get feedback from with regards to this stuff and the population that the media feeds into and that eat this crap up, yeah. you know, typically will not look beyond the fact that well, history tells a different story. That's why we're so emphatic about telling history because it tells a different story than what most of the fucking media brings up half the time. Another thing that I want to bring up is whose idea was it to leave completely? Yeah. Like we still have 30,000 troops in Japan. We ended war with them at the end yeah. of, in, in mid 1940s. Yeah. And we still have bases and troops in Japan. It's kind of our policy when we when we pull out of somewhere, we leave us at least a presence behind. Yeah. So, was that Trump? I mean, if it was Trump, I'll I'll give him all the blame. I'm willing yeah. to point a finger at yeah. him and and scream and bitch and complain yeah. too because there's no reason why we should have completely pulled out. Yeah. No, there there really isn't because I mean, if you think about it, even if we had 
a base there, you know, to, yeah. you know, I mean, having a presence there. I mean, when you put, it's one thing if you're going in and it's a week long mission and there's no reason to be there outside of that. Yeah. But this was basically, we knew that there was an entrenched terroristic initiative based out of Afghanistan. And it, it came in so many different forms. We know everybody that studies that stuff in on even on a superficial level knows that just to blame the Taliban is is touching the iceberg. Yeah. There there's about forty thousand I'm just I'm being yeah. facetious no, here, but saying. you know, there's there's groups all over the place splintering from this group and this group for all different reasons. They all hate each other, but they all universally hate us. You know, in yeah. you know it's <laughs> just Afghanistan's never known peace. No. Never. And I'm not saying that we don't have anything to blame ourselves for the th way things have gone. It, it, it goes back further than the United States, oh, as far sure. as I'm concerned, with regards to why there's such an animosity and, you know, why it's so xenophobic with regards to, you know, their outlook versus us. But I think at the same time, like what I started to say with with our guys and our girls being there for 20 plus years you know, the, the bonds that they developed with the Afghanistan, the, the Afghani people showed them that we were different than what we were being portrayed as. Yes. And I think, and I think that's been brought up before that they are the best ambassadors for the United States because by far I would, I would put a military person in office before I put anybody else in office because if, if, a, an, if an active duty person has seen, you know, been on the front lines and has seen this stuff, nine times out of ten, they have a higher respect for what they're coming back to and what they're going out for. You know, they have a higher respect for those things that they're fighting for and what they're putting their lines, their lives on the line for. And we know that in within the scope of the military, there is a huge swath of opinion ranging from religion to politics to, you know, you know as well as I do that there is no one size fits all when it comes to people that are in the military. However, they all one share, share one common bond. They're taught to fight side by side, shoulder to shoulder. And that's why all this woke bullshit that Wiley and, you know, the others have been introducing over the last couple of years, they should be court-martialed for that they crap should. because they're putting their those men and women and anybody else that you know that is in the military under a, in a situation where they are more at risk than they are than when they are practicing the old philosophies that the military is always you know the way that it should into. be is you're a soldier you're a soldier you're a soldier you're a soldier yeah uh, that's why everybody has to shave their head yeah. When you go into the military yep. because you're there is no individuality. Yep. You're you're you are a soldier, you're a number. You are this exactly the same as the guy that you're standing shoulder to shoulder with. And there's there's no different. It's a united front and that's the way that it has to be. So when you start introducing all of these categories and all of this bullshit that that separates the soldiers, then all of a sudden now you're pitting them against each other and and not not unifying them. Yeah, well did you see Bush's comments yesterday? So it was it was kind of there 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 were there were two aspects to it. One, it was kind of comforting to have the person, the voice that was there, you know, responsible, so to speak. Yeah, and you know, during that time, everybody felt kind of even if they didn't agree with them and made fun of them, you knew as well as I do that during 9/11, during that period of time, you know, even though they made fun of them because, you know, he's he, he's, he he's he's George Bush, but 
you know, the thing is, is that people had a level of respect for him because he was there on the ground with with people on site, you know, with the firefighters, with the police, with the military, trying to see this through, trying to figure out what was going on. Yes, they made some horrible decisions, but yet at the same time, they, they had a respect for him. So from that perspective, I respected the fact that he stood up and he gave a speech, you know, you know, commemorating 9-11 and just how that the people pulled together. But then he started to talk about the disunity in the country, which, you know, I don't agree with on its I don't disagree with on its face. You know, there is a huge amount of disunity in this country. But then he started introducing the elements of January 6th and started, you know, you know, introducing some other. Why can't they just take fucking politics out of these things? Because none of that spoke to the people during 9-11. It wasn't politics that rang true with the people during 9-11. It was the fact that we had men and women and children that were killed as a result of some foreign effector or foreign offender, you know, and we saw, you know, it broke the heart of the country. I remember, I'm not a fan of David Letterman, but I remember David Letterman on national television just breaking down for like 20 minutes. You know, he just, he turned into a huge sob fest on national television. And it was believable. It wasn't like it was marketed. It wasn't like it was, people could believe it because they they could. They felt it. It wasn't disingenuous. But, you know, the, the crap that they're trying to push today, the rhetoric that they're trying to tie in with 9-11, you know, trying to compare it as something of equal measure or whatever the case be, is so disingenuous, it's bullshit. And that's why I think people are so po- torn apart in this day and age, because there's no, there's no genuine politician up on the platform today. I mean, I'm not saying that there are none, but, you know, by and large, it's just a bunch of BS marketing that they're throwing at people and shoving down their throats. I don't think there are any real politicians anymore. No, it's it's all they're all uh, they're all running they're all public relations is is all they do is they run PR campaigns for yeah. their party, and that's what you become when you're when you're elected now is you're 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 elected to run PR for your camp, um, and and that's just all there is to it. Um, well, the problem is is you can't. I think part of it has to do and not to get onto a totally separate subject, but politicians can't run. Pr- counter to their parties anymore yeah they really can't you can't have truly independent candidates run anymore you you just it doesn't happen you're either you're either republican democrat libertarian or socialist or this you have to fit into into some box in order for you to run you can't just say that you're independent and you're going to take everybody's viewpoints under consideration you can't say that anymore because if suddenly you don't have any you know, you don't have any, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Any uh, political currency with, yeah. you know, the crowds or the, the powers that be, so to speak. So anyways, I no. got off on a no, totally I, separate I thing you. there. I think one of the reasons why everybody liked um, liked W after uh, 9-11 is I've heard the, the, the phrase passed around. Um, you know, he seems like a guy that you could hang out at a barbecue with. Or yeah. you could crack a beer with him and just have a conversation with him. His approval rating was over ninety percent at one point. Oh, I point. remember. Yeah, uh, and you know that's um that's remarkable for a yeah. modern president. Yeah. Um, and and it, and it quickly fell. Yeah. Um, but that's that's kind of what we do. Um, there was a there was a story I just heard. I mean, I I kind of knew about this, but um, I I really never watched the the news version of it or so so to speak where. 
the boat run that happened after 9/11. So essentially, what happened, and I don't, many people might not even know about this. So if you if you're not familiar with this, Google the, um, I believe it was called the boat run, uh, the 9/11 boat run. Um, so what happened was, is after the towers fell. We didn't know what was going to happen, so everybody rushed to the to the lowest point of Manhattan and was trying to get off the island. All the bridges were closed, all the tunnels were closed because they didn't know if they were going to blow bridges. We didn't know what was going next. We had no idea. So what happened was, is the Coast Guard uh, called called on civilian boats hmm. and Dunkirk. Uh, yeah, it was exactly the kind, it was it was our Dunkirk. But it actually was more than Dunkirk. Um, civilian boats came, ferries, tugboats, uh, people with fishing boats, people with just, you know, your your bass boats, you know, were, were coming to the rescue on September 11th. They rescued half a million people. 500,000 people were taken out of lower Manhattan that day because of, uh, because of civilian boats. And it was just like one after another after another over the horizon and everybody got rescued everybody <laughs> everybody got off that needed to get off and it, it was my my point is is there was no there was no democrat and republican no for 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 at least for at least a month yeah there was there was no parties there were no races there were no there were no separations we yeah. were all americans for yeah. a month yeah and that was the most amazing feeling I've ever I've ever felt in my life was just the unity that we felt as a country for those thirty days, and then everything fell yeah. apart once we started. You know, once the retaliation started and we started going and bombing places, that's when everybody started to fracture off again. Yeah. But for those thirty days when we were just trying to figure out what was going on, uh, you know, we were we were a pretty united front. Well, I think I'm thinking even up until Obama's administration with regards to the Marine that found Osama yeah. and killed him. You know, I think about even those situations. We were even to some extent, even even though I, a lot of us didn't really agree with Obama, you know, we were in some way, shape or form. It was almost like, you know, the high point of everything that had started back in 9-11, you know, yep. thinking about it. It's like we finally found the criminal that started this. You know, we finally found there's finally justice served for this. Yep. And I think had it just had that been the had that been the high point, you know, I think we probably could have ended off at a good point. You know, had yep. we started figuring out, OK, how do we. But why did we have to be there another 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that should have been that should have been it. I mean, we invaded Iraq which had absolutely nothing to do with the price of rice in China. They tried yeah. to tie Saddam Hussein somehow loosely. What the hell did Saddam Hussein have to do with Osama bin Laden? Yeah. They weren't even in the same they weren't even in the same wheelhouse. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so so those 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 questions I think is what started to sour. Um, yeah, I mean if you look at I mean the country ethic of Afghanistan, I mean you only have I mean the predominantly it's not like what am i trying to say here is that you only ever have one type of situation going on in afghanistan and that's you have a theocracy mm -hmm. governed by some some crazy loons um you know and 
you know, I'm thinking of it in this perspective, had we just cut off from Afghanistan, the only good option at that point would have just been to restrict any and all travel from Afghanistan from that point on. Yeah. You know, that would have been quite literally the only good option at that point. I mean, of course, you could vet people if they're making claims for amnesty and that kind of thing like we normally do. But on by and large, you know, you know, back and forth, you know, we would have had to put our foot down and just said no. Yeah. You know, we 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 did what we came to do, but we don't trust the situation there. You know, we don't trust, you know, the type of people that are going to try to filter over here. Not to say that there aren't good people that are going to try to make it to the U.S., but it's going to be hard to get to the U.S. I think the, not to interrupt, but I think that to to, to that point, I think the treaty that we had with Japan, where they were only allowed to have defensive, a defensive military, I think that finally just expired um, not long ago, maybe like 2014, 2015, something like that. So effectively to your point we did the same thing with japan yeah we're like okay look we we recognize that you need to be able to defend yourself um because you know china is china's china and north korea is north korea so we're gonna allow you to have a defensive military but we're not gonna we're not gonna condone you having any kind of reach i mean even even in that context think about it it's like how many you know some countries would look at us as a um empire you yeah. know the idea of empire but at the same time the way in which we've treated the other countries after these situations you know bar- granted there have always been issues in these situations but mm-hmm. by and large we've given them a huge swath of space by which to operate within and japan has become one of our greatest friends as a result of it i mean you think about it it's like the Jap- japan and the united states are very closely very close. intertwined in with, with regards to um, just national endeavors. I mean, if, if the U.S. is there, Japan is there. I mean, it, it's literally changed their philosophy mm-hmm. in some regards with how they looked at, you know, what what their goal in life was. But, you know, we opened up the door for Japanese because for Japan, and I'll say this, Japan, their biggest concern has always been the fact that they've been constrained within such a small swath of land. I mean, when you've got them building airports on water and when you've got them building nuclear power plants on water and, you know, when you're having to build up because you can't build out, you know, it puts some constraints on a country with regards to what's their next step. Yep. But at the same time, we kind of opened the door for them because now their citizens can freely, freely flow into the United States with visas and eventually become citizens and so on and so on. So it wasn't that we closed the door off for them and gave them no routes of escape from that or no ways to improve up from that point. And I think to some degree that should have been, that should have been how it bid was with Afghanistan. But it, you know, we know from the reporting is that it just got worse and worse and worse Mm -hmm. that the, that the Taliban groups and the Al Qaeda and the splinter groups and everything just kept building as a result of what was going on on there. You but, also have to remember that we were occupiers. Yes. At that, you know, yeah. And that's never, that's never a good position no. to be in. You're, you're never going to win a war. No, it's like India and Britain or the UK. Yeah. Yeah. You're never going to win a war when you're the outside force. I mean, that's, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Not without completely eradicating um, you know, the population, yeah. if we would have went in there and just, yeah, <laughs> Genghis yeah. Khan, yeah, I get what you're saying. The whole population, yeah. then yeah, that that's different. But there's a quote that, that 
I don't even know where it's from, but but I use it all the time. No country, no no civilization, no nation in in human history has ever acquired more power and abused it less than the United States. Bar none. I would agree with that. Not that we're perfect. No. But we've done we've done more good with our position in the world. Imagine imagine if Hitler had our had our industrial complex and our uh our positioning in the world like our geographic for for we're fortified geographically you have to cross two oceans to to get to us so if imagine if if somebody evil uh you know had our position how bad the world would be oh yeah that's why we need to protect what we have with everything we have because it's the last great hope for for the world well, and that's why World War II is so, such a distinctive event in world history is because you had a country that was pretty close, damn near close to doing that. Almost. Yeah, they could have. They could they have. They were really close. People don't realize that it was it was actually a couple of mistakes by the Germans that cost them yeah. World War II. Um, D-Day was, was one of the major mistakes because they thought that we were going to attack um, at a completely different place than where we did yeah so they concentrated all of their uh resources on where they thought that the attack was going to come from so we got very lucky with that um the troops that were stationed um in normandy and all uh you know omaha beach all those places they were actually kind of like quote unquote the reserves the nazi reserves they weren't the best of the best of the best of the ss not saying that the good old fashioned uncle Sam couldn't have beat the best of the best of the best, but with the, with their positioning and their, their manpower and all the other stuff, that war would have went completely different. Had Hitler known, you know, had, had, it would have been like man in the man in the high castle. It would have been, it would have been completely like man in the high castle. I wonder though, if we were really close, I wonder though, if there had been, if there would have been another situation like Nagasaki and Hiroshima, only in this case Mm -hmm. focused more around the European block, you know, that would have been an option. I think we would have probably done that as a last resort, just annihilated Berlin. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I often wonder why, maybe maybe because the war in Europe was already turning down. Yeah. But I often wondered why we didn't, why we didn't use that weaponry on, on the Nazis and, and did use that on Japan. Maybe because it's an isolated island and the, and the uh, fallout wouldn't have, wouldn't have affected as many other countries. Yeah. You know, if they would have nuked Berlin... Poland and, yeah. and well, I guess it would have been anybody to the how does how does it work? The Earth rotates from east to west, so anybody to the east of them would, would have, have gotten would have the gotten fallout. The fallout. So France would have been yeah. annihilated. Britain would have been oh yeah, it, that's that's prob- that's a good reason why the they could have done that. I I mean it's hard to say. I mean it, and also you know. Was the United? Because if you think about it, Japan, really picked up their pace like what halfway through the World War Two. We had already been what three or four years into things, yep. You know, and I'm sure you know things were straining at that point. You know, just to keep up with what was going on at that point. So it's like to have another aggressor, another totalitarian aggressor. You know, just decide I'm going to take advantage of this situation and start trying to conquer territories. 
you know yeah it's like what do you do at that point it's like you either go for broke or and i think that's really why we did what we did because we didn't want another 10-year conflict yeah so we're just like all right let's throw the kitchen sink at them take this Uh, taste of fighting out of them yeah exactly and and what was amazing to me is the first bomb didn't do it yeah the first bomb they're like okay you know they can't possibly have two two (laughs) you know and then boom all right all right (laughs) you know but it 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 influenced the that one time in pearl harbor influenced the world the same way that september 11th did yeah i guess is the best way that we could put it now I consider September 11th to be a bigger tragedy because it was a civilian tragedy. Yeah. Pearl Harbor was a military attack on a military yeah. base. Now, civilians, civilian yeah. casualties happened, but it was a military yeah. attack on a military target. This was a terrorist attack. September 11th yeah, they was were a diff- terrorist they attack. They were different civilians. in their targets do make a difference. You yeah. Know, when you start targeting, and that's, that's the whole point about the uh, Taliban and about the Al Qaeda and other groups that we've dealt with over the years is that. They don't have any discretion with regards to who they go after. No. And that's why there's such that's why it's all all bets are off with groups like that because you they have no moral compass. No. Aside well, from the narcissistic do. moral compass. Well, they have a moral compass, but it doesn't include anybody except for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, is that their 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 theocratic out outlook on things is no different than the fascistic or fascistic outlook that Hitler had. I mean, they're they're two different philosophies, you know, but at the same time, they had the same end goals. They look awful similar. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, they look awful similar. That's why. Um, I, that's why I believe that everybody kind of pulled together on September 11th. Going back to the civilian thing, I'm kind of taking a left turn. Maybe it's the whiskey. Um, <laughs> Is because I think that because it was a civilian attack, that it that it hurt more. Yeah, that it was almost like a gut punch because yeah. it wasn't a military target that yeah. got hit. These are these innocent. were innocent people that were just showing up for work. Yeah, you know, at an office building. Not this wasn't people that were showing up for work to work on military planes or, you know, this wasn't a this wasn't a Lockheed Martin plant. This wasn't a, you know, an arms factory or anything yeah. like that. This was just an office building. Yeah. And you think about it, it's like a good proportion of the people that died that day, too, were the people going in to rescue those people that yeah. were. Yeah, know. because luckily, luckily, they planned the attack before everybody showed up you know, to work. Watching those videos again are pretty surreal. I mean, mm-hmm. remembering the fact that there were people up on the highest floors just literally hanging out the windows. Yeah. I have, my mom has a documentary that was made. Um, they didn't realize what they were doing when they were filming. Um, it was they were following Engine Eight. Uh, it was a yeah. film crew that was following Engine Eight in that. New York yeah. City, and they were doing a documentary just on what firefighters go through. And they ended up at the World Trade Center. They were in the Building One when it came down. There's actually footage in the documentary of what it was like inside the building when it collapsed. It's it's heart-wrenching because you're actually seeing them outside and you can hear crash yeah and then every 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 pretty soon another one crash yeah and the guy's like what the hell is that and it was bodies they were people that were falling yeah oh that i remember that and that's it was the sound of the bodies hitting hitting cars below and it was surreal like you everybody's seen the image of the office man uh that jumped out 
of the window with his briefcase and yeah. he's and he's falling. That's the image that everybody remembers, but it wasn't just him. I mean, hundreds of yeah. people's hundreds of people jumped that day because they were it was like, "All right, well, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go on my terms. I'd rather not burn the lives." Yeah, exactly. Than, yeah. I'm I'm this is this is how I'm going. So the images of that day, I think anyone that was alive and saw it happen live, it's going to be burned into your head for the rest of your life. I think everybody in America has a little bit of uh, PTSD from, from, from that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, well, that's why I said, I mean, the main reason why that whole event seared itself into our minds is because there were innocents that were killed that day. I mean, that's why it's such a, you know, poignant uh, image that we don't let go of, especially for those that, you know, are old enough to have remembered, you know, that day itself and, you know, seeing it, not just those that, you know, read about it in a history book a couple of years later. But yeah, um, I I have a lot more respect. Um, I have a lot more respect for those that were alive during Pearl Harbor and what they went through during that time because of having to go through 9-11. Oh, yeah. But I tell people all the time, and I hope this isn't true, but kids nowadays have no idea uh, the impact that Pearl Harbor had, and they don't remember no. anything about it, and they frankly don't care whether that's a failure of the the education system or parenting or whatever it is. But what makes you think that in 30 years from now, that anybody is going to think about September 11th the same way that they do Pearl Harbor, that we're not going to let that slip into the annals of history just to be talked about as an anecdote on a history book page. Well, interesting enough, there was a uh, some kind of video journalism thing that had been done, and they were interviewing these kids, and I think it was Berkeley University. It may have been somewhere else, but basically they were stating how that they don't want... Uh, teachers to be talking about terrorism and uh, Islam because it's, you know, racist and blah, 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 blah. And they said, we want to focus more on American faults. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, let's talk about American faults. Like it's the fault of the American who raised you Mm -hmm. to be dumb enough not to appreciate the fact that there are people that they may have known or people that you would have probably crossed paths with some given point that died needlessly someday up in the middle of a tower. They didn't do anything to anybody as far as, you know, we're aware uh, that would have ever warranted some crazy loon flying themselves into a a plane or a building like that. It's just, it's not to say that anyone that was in those buildings those days should be lifted to sainthood or anything like that because nobody's perfect, but they, they didn't do anything. The people in those buildings did nothing to the people that hijacked those planes. No. Not not to say that our government hasn't wronged Afghanistan in the past. Yeah. But those people did nothing. Yeah. To Well, it's like did you see yeah. the recent drone attack that they screwed up? So there was a, a drone strike just recently, like like with literally within the last week and it killed about 10 Afghanis. And it was it was improperly coordinated, wrong information. Uh, they completely missed whatever target they were going after. Ended up so that is an example. Those are the things that yes. cause terrorists. Yes, you know when you when you attack, you know that you know what whoever made the mistake. Yeah, it, it, it that's that's a mistake on our military for having done that. Whoever pulled the trigger on that one, 
should be seriously, seriously reprimanded for having done that or whoever gave them the wrong information. I don't know. I don't know where the buck lies or stops on situations like that. But at the same time, that's the type of justice that needs to be held up because if it isn't, then we get people that are going to be constantly ready to join up with groups like yeah. like the Taliban and Al-Qaeda because if they don't see any kind of justice on the world forum, you know, with that kind of stuff, you know. What worries me is something that you you said earlier. Uh, there are, there are kids in Afghanistan that never knew uh, the Taliban. Oh yeah. Or I mean, they knew of them but never knew rule. Yeah. By the Taliban, and what their optics are going to be is that the United States was here and then they bailed. Yeah. And exactly. They don't care about us. Yep. And they just they just bailed and left us to these jackals. They'll be the next generation yep. of yeah. And they left us to these jackals to fend for ourselves. How am I supposed to trust a country? No, I wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. How are they supposed to trust anyone from the West ever again after something like this? And so, I mean, ultimately the the point of it is is you know it's. Once we're into these situations, it's really not a question anymore of whether we should or haven't. You know, it's yep. a moot point. Yeah. Who the fuck cares if we should or shouldn't have I agree. at this point? I mean, I think, you know, to some degree, we shouldn't have gotten involved. That's what I'm saying is I don't think we should have been there as, as long as we had. But we're there. We've been there. You know, so that creates a different set of responsibilities that we should abide by. Yeah. And, you know, I don't care what Donald Trump's agreement was. I don't care what Biden, his hands were tied to. I don't give a rat's ass. I don't give a flying rat's ass what any of them. You're the commander-in-chief. Yeah. You can make a decision. You can choose not to. Yeah. Who cares who you pissed the fuck off? Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, it's like, um, you know, you tell a kid that they're going to get a certain thing for their birthday party and suddenly family comes down on hard times and they can't afford something. Who the hell cares if your feelings are hurt that you don't get special little gift that you were promised yeah. however long ago? Things change. Yeah. Things need to be adapted. Things need to be uh, rewrit sometimes, you know, to compensate for changes. And that's what drives me up a wall is that, you know, you know. And here's the thing with regards, you're not trying to get onto a different subject, but with regards to COVID, you know, we we were all hundred percent in. When this all started that, you know, it's like we agree this is something we don't understand. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it can do. We don't know the extent of its reach. We'll do what we need to do in order to stay safe. They told us to stay safe. We stayed safe. We stayed safe a little longer. We stayed safe a lot longer. We stayed safe extremely long. And the sooner than later, we started seeing things. Well, why are people not dying right away? Why are people not suffering the consequences like they said? Why are there more people recovering than there are people dying from the And, you know... Then we just start get hit with rhetoric yeah. because and somebody had said something. It's like uh, made a comment in one of these forums and said, I don't understand why so many people are so hesitant with the vaccinations because politics got involved. It's because rhetoric got introduced into it. I said, had less rhetoric been involved in this whole process and more of the science, I think people would have been less hesitant. Does that negate the fact that there are people that are still going to be hesitant irregardless of what somebody says? No, but yeah. I guarantee you that was a primary reason why some people are like, go fuck yourself because you've got a president who all he's doing is trying to force shit down your throat. Yep. So, I mean, I don't think people think past themselves sometimes with regard these situations so i my point is is that you know 
things need to be changed. We we knew from the outset that things could change. They told us from the outset that the COVID virus could adapt into something else. You know what I mean? But we knew that there might be some adaptation that needs to be made. There there might be some adjustments that need to be made with regards to that. But that's not the point. The point is none of that. The point is the fact that they they lied, they threw rhetoric into the mix, they made it a political issue, and because of that, people got just completely disgusted with it. Same way with Afghanistan. We Absolutely. were told this, then we were told that, we were told this, we were told that. The field, and the goalpost keeps moving. Exactly. Two weeks to flatten the curve. And and it's understandable, you know, and I get with Afghanistan that things will change, things will evolve, things will, you know, that's, again, that's not the point. It's the fact that, you know, there, we should work to, towards the best end. And can we honestly say that what happened in Afghanistan this year was the best end? Uh, no. Um, were there things done by our government that predicated 9-11? We're still debating that. Yeah. We're still looking into that. This is like a 20-year ongoing investigation into what happened in 9-11. Because you know as well as I do that there's about a million and one different theories yep. as to why it happened and who who did it and who they were connected to and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we we a common sense person understands that things need to be rewrit and, re, and re-manipulated and changed a little bit to match up. But if you were just transparent about that crap, Instead of like trying to be cloak and dagger about everything, people would be less ready to slit your throat over anything that you try to do. Yeah. You know, I just don't. I don't understand where the where the trust in the individual went. It, when I was growing up, everybody was everybody was responsible for themselves, and yeah. you you didn't really worry about. The biggest, the biggest thing that's as close to COVID that, that I remember in my lifetime was the chicken pox outbreak when, yeah. when, when we were kids. Obviously, chicken pox isn't as bad as COVID, but, no. but the, it was left up to the parents to decide how they wanted to deal with chicken pox. Yeah. So some parents kept their kids isolated and, and, and you know took them out of school and, and made sure that they... You know, stayed home and, and was away from other kids. And when, when kids got chicken pox, they kept their kids away. My mom went the other route. My mom sent me over and, and had me play with kids. Uh, it, 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 you know, they called a play date and everybody came together and all of our friends had a chicken pox date. <laughs> and we all got chicken pox and got it done and got it over with. Yeah. So, I mean, there were two different yeah schools of thought at the time yeah. but nobody nobody said that the the parents that had chicken pox parties were trying to kill their kids and didn't yeah. care about the community and nobody said that the kids that were kept home were were whack job yeah. isolationists exactly. or anything like that they okay that's yeah. what they feel like is good for them good for them yeah why there, can't we have that again because there's been a philosophical there's just been a dogmatic philosoph- philosophical approach to all this stuff, and it's been fed to people constantly for God knows how many years now since it started. But I, I was even thinking with regards to the like the Geneva Accords and the Nuremberg um, Accords that happened not too long after World War II that actually established precedent with regards that vaccines should never be forced down somebody's throat or nobody it they actually established over several assemblies and i think as as recent as 1970s or 1968 1970 uh that the assemblies uh, re-ratified 
these accords stating that uh, no country could ever morally uh, mandate vaccinations against people. Now, this is why I bring this up, because you're talking about people that probably lived through, were old enough to remember, um, um, yeah, small smallpox, um, and uh, remembered polio, and remembered some of these turn-of-the-century things that killed people. So here you have a body of thinkers, whether they be scientists, medical, you know, whatever the case be, politicians probably, that were sitting there looking at this, new people that suffered from polio, suffered from smallpox, saw the millions of people that died from it, literally millions of people that died from it, but still in their heart of hearts felt it was morally and ethically wrong, ambiguous to force and mandate vaccinations upon people. How can you... How can you, you know, that's what I mean is like, to your point, what you were saying about your mom and just throwing you to the wolves, yeah. essentially, you know, that to me, that tells me that our philosophy with regards to risk and our philosophy with regards to, you know, what people are allowed to tell us to do, I think is dynamically and dramatically changed over the last however many years. And I, I don't think people realize that. I think they've just come to accept it. Yeah. And I, I completely get that. Um, I'm trying to do a little bit of math here. There's what seven seven billion people on the planet right now, roughly give or give take. Give or take, yeah. So we'll just call that divide by. So twenty one billion people on the planet would have to die for it to be as severe as the Spanish flu. Hmm. Yeah, because what was it, 50 million? 50 million people died yeah. from the Spanish flu, which at that time was one-third of the world's population. Yep. So for COVID to be that bad, it would have to kill 21 billion people. Yeah. Because there's a there's seven... No, sorry, 21 million people. Yeah. That's not right either. 210 million people. That That's better. 210, 212 if you want me to be exact. 212 million people would have to die... To equal the severity of of the Spanish flu, yeah. So my my point is is really we're I don't even think we're at one percent yet of total deaths because yeah. uh, across the globe, what is it two million two million people no, have died across? Well, the globe? I mean I don't know what numbers really to trust, but the ones I've seen has said like four and a half, four and a half million. We'll we'll call it five. Uh, so five. How would he divide it by? So 15. Yeah. So that's that's not even close to 1% of, of, the, of the population. That's like a half a percent. Well, I mean, it's obvious. My Where I was going with it is it's obvious that COVID is nowhere near the severity of. And, you know, maybe, yeah, that is due to the fact that we have higher hygiene standards and you know, our medical standards are a lot different nowadays. I grant it. I get that. But at the same time, any, any, uh, epidemiologist understands that viruses are getting worse and worse. They're getting weirder and weirder. They're getting more adaptive. They're getting mm -hmm. more, you know, we know that. And there could be one that suddenly shows up on the playing field. Just pops off. Did you read about that situation in India with the, um, what did they even call it? The Nerma virus or something, something along those lines. It literally killed about a hundred or so people overnight. 
Oh, wow. The, the medical community in India had to act on it immediately and like completely quarantine the entire village because had it gotten loose, it could have caused some major issues. I, I haven't read up on it past the, the initial reports. But the point is, is something like that is one thing. When you have a virus that flows through an entire population, kills that many people overnight. overnight yeah. Whereas where you have COVID, which is basically you know, the, the... It's a severe flu. I'm not trying to downplay yeah, it because but it is I'm, severe, but it's bad flu. My, my whole thing is not to talk about COVID. My point is to talk about how that we know that COVID statistically is not near or not even close to as bad as some of the other stuff that we've already experienced and potentially even things that are to come. Who knows? But at the same time, we have a government that's using that as a catalyst by which to mandate to people less and less freedom uh, in the name of safety. When in reality, the risk assessment that's done in that situation should tell a common sense person that my ability to fight this is better than, you know, what people back during the Spanish flu or during smallpox or during polio or whatever else you want to throw into that mix. Their, their, their potential to fight that off physically, whether with vaccine or without vaccine. And here's another interesting thing. Israel, who did mandate their vaccinations now are releasing reports that are stating that after the effects of all this, they're finding that people that were infected with COVID pre-vaccine actually had a better chance of fighting off the, the COVID virus than the people with vaccine. Because just like everything else, natural immunity is going to be better than yeah. vaccinated. And, and the thing it is, you get all these people that say, well, if you're a Trumper, you're an anti-vaxxer. Anti-vaccination only goes so far as the individual. If uh, this is the thing, anti-vaccination, the statement that I'm an anti-vaxxer, if you are or not, is the only thing that I have gathered from what people have said and where their standpoints are with regards to this is that it affects me and me alone or it affects me and my child because a guardian makes that decision for their child one way or another. That's the extent of it. Whether or not you want to do that, that's fine. If, if you feel that your medical state requires a vaccine to fight off something, do it. Yeah. Absolutely 1,000% do it. If you feel in your heart of hearts that your physical constitution, your makeup, your health, your pre-existing condition status, whatever that may be, doesn't uh, lend you to a higher risk and you feel like you can fight that off naturally, do it. But what we're seeing now is that we're taking a a catastrophic, so to speak, because that's how they're labeling it, the rhetoric, again, mm-hmm. the political rhetoric, that they're labeling it, they're using it as a mandate by which to constrain people to doing something that by choice they should have an option by to not do it. Yeah. So, and then you go back to 9-11, because that's what we've been talking about. Sorry to go off onto a rabbit trail. No, no. But 9-11, you have the Patriot Act which basically introduces itself as the means by which we protect people from themselves. You know, we're going to go in and we're going to tap your phones. We're going to tap your emails. We're going to tap your day to day. We're going to become fucking Australia in, you know, of the, of the early two thousands, basically. And you've read about that, that now they're looking at the contact tracing to watch where people are going. They have apps that they're testing, you know, which are probably now in play, who knows in South Wales or wherever else. And, you know, they're basically requiring people to take pictures of themselves every 15 minutes to corroborate 
uh, where they're at right then. And if their phone doesn't communicate back to the central, wherever they're collecting this data at, then they send the police to go check up on you. You tell me if that's okay. If anybody listening to this thinks that's okay, you need a fucking lobotomy. Because that is completely, completely 1,000 times over and above wrong yeah. when it comes to a free society. We're talking about like 1984 in reality at that point. Like this yes. is the, what I don't want to get too far off because we're going to have to end it up here soon. But what's going on in Australia, if you haven't looked up, looked it up, definitely pay attention because I'm I'm telling you, that's the end game here. That's what they that's what they that that's what they would love to have here in the United States and the and the liberal progressives that are that are that are uh, you know all for this stuff would love nothing more than than a dictatorship. They called Trump a dictator and they didn't want a dictator, but what they didn't want is they didn't want a Trump dictatorship. Yeah. They're more than happy to go around with a with a liberal progressive dictatorship yeah. telling all the conservatives what to do, but they don't want a conservative dictator telling them what to do. We don't want any dictator. Yeah. I don't want any dictators. Yeah, period. Period. I don't care if they're right, left, middle, yeah. whatever the case be. I don't want any dictators. Yes. Even, even if I agree with what, what they're doing, I don't want a dictator because then when the pendulum swings the other direction, I'm going to be the one that, that's that's in trouble. What was that? Uh, I, I posted a statement from Justin Amash. Um, he was a former Republican, became a libertarian candidate, um, and he posted... I don't really know if I can bring it up. But basically, the, the premise of what he was saying was that it doesn't matter if you like the mandate. The fact of the matter is it's an abuse of power was yes. the, the bottom line of what he was trying to say is that, um, you know, and, you know, I'm even going back to when Kamala Harris was uh, debating against uh, pre uh, Pence during the vice presidential candidates. And even she made a very bold faced statement that if Donald Trump ever came out and mandated the, the vaccine, she's like, I would reject it head, foot and toe basically. And you know, the point of, and even going back to the, when, when we didn't know who exactly was the president yet during October, you had Biden saying as the president elect that he would never mandate. They, they've basically lied on every account. Uh, and basically flip-flopped with regards to their philosophies in every account. This is not, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a Democratic, re Republican, Libertarian issue. The, the issue is, is that we have people that in their minds, they believe that they're better able to manage your lives than you. And that's really what it boils down to. And if you think that somebody else outside your life that has no connection with your life has a better chance of managing your life, then you seriously need some counseling yeah. because... That's not how this works. And we're not saying that you should ignore medical advice or yes, anything like exactly. that. What we're telling you is that you should speak with your individual medical professional. Yes. Get their opinion. Yes. And and make decisions based upon qualified opinions. But those 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 opinions should not be you should not have a doctor tell you you have to get the vaccine. Yes, exactly. That if a doctor tells you you have to get a vaccine. I wouldn't talk to that yes. doctor anymore. Well, it's just like if you were diagnosed with stage four cancer. Yeah. And they suddenly threw all these possible treatments on the road. You you have a choice. Yep. You either accept the consequences of what cancer will will do, or you go through the trouble of putting yourself through the pain and punishment of whatever those treatments will do to you. Yep. And there are a lot of people that at that stage in their life are just like, you know what? 
I've lived this long, you know, and I'll take whatever comes as it may. That should be the choice that a person has. And that should not change from cancer to COVID. Nope. Last last point I want to make, and then we're going to have to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. We're at an hour 10 already. Um, but I had a I had a really good friend of mine who passed away from lung cancer. And his his final decision was is that I'm not gonna pump a bunch of chemicals into my body. I said he said I'm gonna I'm gonna pass I'm gonna die either way. Um, so if I if I take all these chemicals I might get an extra year of misery. I might get an extra year and a half of misery. Maybe I only get an extra six months. So he chose to live however long cancer gave him comfortably, rather than suffer through chemotherapy yeah. and all that stuff and he did pass away but he passed away on his terms yeah and that's the option that everybody should have yeah if you if you don't want to take the vaccine and you get covid and you pass away from it then you've made your decision yeah i've made my peace with that i, I i'm not vac i'm not vaccinated i don't wear a mask my family is not vaccinated and they don't wear a mask either once we get more information and we trust the vaccine, maybe we'll get it. But as of right now, we're at the we're our our independent individual decision is is that we feel like our health and our immune system is strong enough to deal with COVID, and our our risk of exposure is low yeah. enough that I don't want to risk yeah. taking a vaccine. And that's why even to this day, I still question whether it was legal or not for Dr. Jack of working to do what he did. Because, I mean, you know, from a moral standpoint, I had trouble with it. But at the same time, from a legal standpoint, does a person have a right to allow somebody to take their life in that situation? That still conflicts with me and to this day, you know, whether or not that, and I'm going to be honest about that. But, you know, the, the bigger topic, the bigger issue that we're trying to point out today is not even so much about COVID. It's not even so much about Afghanistan. It's the fact that our government, when it's not restricted in the right way, takes opportunities like 9-11, like COVID, like other things that have happened that have, can be categorized as catastrophic or things that change the playing ground or the playing field, so to speak. And then they adapt rules that are completely contrary to a person's ability to operate as an individual. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Exactly, and that's what they've done. And it's both a Republican and Democratic yeah. issue. I, well, that's it, why I left the Republican Party. Yeah. In all honesty, it's not that I don't believe in Republicans. I do like some yeah. Republicans. And I like some Democrats. And I like some Republicans. But they're, they're, the, they're, two, yes. they're, they're, they're different sides to the same coin. Eventually, the, the problem with Republicans and Democrats, and really with any party that is that large, typically has to come into line eventually. You know what I mean? It's like they're not allowed to have a voice within their party. And I think that's the bigger problem. I think that they're, you know, when you when you are a part of a party that says you need to pull the left ballot or the right ballot and that's the only choice that you have, I think that there's a serious issue with that. George Washington himself even warned against party politics back when he first started. Yep. The best I would say the most the wisest of the presidents to ever walk. Now he had problems, but the thing is he was extremely wise with regards to how politics would flesh itself out in this country Especially if we were in his keep... latter years. Exactly. After after the war, after after um, when he was president and after his presidency, man, he he gained some so I don't know where he got it from, but he gained some wisdom. Yeah, and and was he had a very lot of insight. And I think I think we don't, you know, for all their faults, I think we don't listen to them enough. 
you know, and it's just like with anything, there's a lot of smart people out there with a lot of good input that we don't listen to simply for the fact that they did one thing that we don't like. So we need to get over that crap too, because every one of us has screwed up in some form or fashion in the course of our lives, some worse than others, granted, but at the same time, that doesn't negate the, the efficacy of principles and the efficacy of, you know, fundamental truths that we should live by in this country. And that this country essentially was founded upon in one way or another. So Martin Luther King Jr. was an adulterer. Exactly. He cheated on his wife several times. So was John F. Kennedy. He was a great man. They both were. Yeah. They were both great. Yes. Great men. I agree. And they were flawed. Yeah. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. No. You can't toss Martin Luther King Jr. aside because he did a couple of things that were less than, um, you know, that, that flew in the face of his personal morals. Yep. You know, his personal morals were against um, cheating and, and against adultery yeah. and stuff like that. He was a pastor. Yeah. But he was also a flawed man, just yeah. like the rest of us. That's a good place to start, I think, or a good place to stop. Um, we're going to start. Okay. Yeah. I guess we need more whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hiccuping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is really good stuff. Um, yeah. Before we go. Today I picked up on like some molasses. I was smelling molasses in there. Like every time I drink it, I get different notes out of it. I wonder if it's how it uh, filters through yeah. the through the, yeah. the batch. So. But but at any rate, um, you can find us on Facebook at PA Between the Lines. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the BTL Podcast. You can check out our website, thebtlpodcast.com, uh, for any information. Um, Jesse's dad is having some trouble. Um, for those of you that are new to the podcast, you might not remember Jesse. He was a, a, a host of the show for, for quite some time. Um, his dad ended up with cancer. So you can check out our page. There's a page there to, if you wanted to donate to his uh, GoFundMe page and help out with him. Um, I know Jesse and his family would really appreciate it. Um, Scott and his family are still dealing with some stuff. Ian is coming along uh, with an update on that. Um, so anyone that's concerned about Scott and his boy, they're, they're, they're coming along. Uh, it's probably still going to be a long road before things get back to normal for them, but, uh, keep them in your prayers. Um, just everybody keep, keep, keep in your minds, all those folks that, that passed away on nine 11, because they, they, they had nothing to do with anything that, um, you know, those hijackers were pissed off about. Um, and you know, I I don't want to see I don't want to see the United States get to that point. Um, obviously, you know, people in the Middle East have been fighting each other for a very long time, and I'm starting to see that kind of rhetoric here. Um, yeah. We're starting to shoot each other in the streets. Um, Antifa and the Proud Boys are are getting into armed clashes in Washington. I just I don't want to see that kind of stuff uh, start here. So I I hope that cooler heads start to prevail. Everyone should just calm the fuck down for a little while, uh, let the temperature come down, and, and maybe we can get back to, to moving in the same direction. Uh, so once again, facebook.com forward slash PA between the lines at the BTL podcast on Twitter and www.thebtlpodcast.com. Everyone have a great week uh, and uh, just just keep other Americans in your hearts. How about that? Yeah, have a good week and our hats are off and our hearts are with all those who lost people during a 9-11 and any uh, uh, circumstances that happened after that, any other armed yeah. conflict. So uh, yeah. I'm sure there's folks out there that are still hurting. Um, you know, just 
keep keep your eyes looking forward. Uh, the horizon is a bright and beautiful place. Yep. Um, so just keep that in mind. Everyone have a great week and uh, just just be sane. Bye. See ya.